Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to continue in our study through the book of Proverbs, so please open to Proverbs chapter 15. These are, this grouping here, although most of the Proverbs were written by Solomon, this grouping is specifically designated as his. We're going to continue here in the book of Proverbs, which records the guidance, direction, and good counsel that God wants us to have in order to walk wisely in His world. See, this is God's world, and we're just sojourners, and we are here to glorify Him in everything that we do, but how do we know how to do that? How do we gain instruction and wisdom and direction and guidance in walking in this world apart from God imparting that wisdom to us. The sayings in this book pass on to us the knowledge and experience that God says we should have if we are to live in a way that honors and glorifies Him. And not only that, but I mean especially that, our, our, our main goal in this life is to honor and glorify God, but also we see the practical application of almost everything I think that we are, we're going to deal with in our life, how we are to relate to others. And so not only is, it, is this instruction on how to glorify God, but it's also beneficial to us. And it's also beneficial, it should be beneficial as we follow these guidelines, these instructions, beneficial to everyone that we come in contact to, uh, with throughout our life. So there's practical application although they were written over 2500 years ago we can still see application for all of these sayings and proverbs proverbs 15 specifically speaks of the power of the tongue which we've heard often as we've been studying through the book of proverbs it speaks of the power of the tongue to either heal or to destroy and we know that we know the times when we say things that, that can um, be healing and comforting and uplifting to others. And we also recognize those times when we may not speak in, in such a way. And this proverb, Proverb 15, is going to speak about that. It also speaks about receiving instruction in order to grow. You know, we should never remain stagnant in our walk, in our relationship with the Lord. We should always be seeking to grow throughout our entire life. You know, there's never going to come a time on this side of eternity where we can say, okay, we've got it all covered. We understand completely now, and we are walking completely, perfectly in God's ways. That'll never happen, but it's going to be an ongoing learning process for us. So as we dig in, we're going we're to touch on a, a f- many things that should help us should help us grow in our relationship with God and in our relationships with with one another. So jumping in in verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 15, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Very practical. This speaks more to how we say, say something as opposed to actually what we say. It also speaks about how we are to respond to someone who may speak harshly to us. You know, it's always better to answer someone with a soft word. But not, not a show of hands here. How many of us know that it's not so easily done? You know, we're always struggling against our flesh. We're always struggling against wanting to really say something harsh And yet God's direction here is to answer softly. And especially if someone speaks harshly to us, 
You know, that natural tendency is to kind of hit back. You know, you, if you speak harshly to me, I'm going to speak even more harshly to you. That's kind of our natural tendency. That's kind of our, what our flesh says. But listen to what Jesus said in, in Luke 6.29. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So does Jesus say that if someone speaks harshly to you, to speak even more harshly to them? No. He also tells us to love our enemies, to bless those who curse us. Jesus always gives us the godly perspective that we are to use with people in interaction you know, just in everyday life, even in the household, in our workplace, out in the world, in the parking lot at Stop and Shop. You know, there, there's so many places that these can apply that, you know, you just, you think back and you think of this verse. A soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer. But a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, you can speak you, you can be spoken to in such a way that it's going to, you know, elicit a response on your part that's going to be harsh. And boy, does that escalate real quick, right? So Jesus here has given us in, in, in the New Testament just instruction that, that goes along with this, this verse in Proverbs. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. So this speaks about having knowledge, but knowledge on, on its own doesn't make you wise. It's knowing how to use that knowledge that makes you wise. You know, you can have all the wisdom in the world, but if you really don't understand how to control your tongue, you know, to, if you have a lot of wisdom, you may come off as arrogant, boastful, prideful. And it's even worse if you're foolish and you just spout forth foolishness. So God expects us to walk in the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit we just learned a few weeks ago, self-control. So that's something here that he's saying, the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. You know something, you have wisdom, you've gained some understanding about something, but use it correctly, use it, use it wisely. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So this verse here can either real, really bring comfort to you or it can scare the heck out of you if you, you know, just say the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Think about that. Relating to the verses in this chapter about our speech, you know, we may just say, oh, if I tell this person off, well, no one will know except us. But God knows. His eyes are in every place. We, if we keep our mind on the fact that the Lord is present at all times, no matter where we're at, it can really affect our behavior, can it? Just, just giving that, that quick second of thought to understand, Jesus is here with me now. What I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm acting, my behavior, my attitudes, God knows. God knows. And in Ecclesiastes 12, 14, um, it says, For God will bring every work into judgment, including the secret thing, whether good or evil. So nothing is really secret when it comes to God. He knows it all. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. You know, this, way, this is another way of saying what Solomon says in verse 1 you know, about just a soft answer versus a harsh word, you know. Um, the soft answer is the same as the wholesome tongue. And the harsh word is the same as perverseness. So one uplifts, and we know, and one tears down. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Good instruction and correction they're necessary for personal gro growth. And a good parent will give those instructions and guidelines, directions to their child, and hopefully they will follow it. If, 
If we reject good instruction, we'll wind up as a fool. If we receive it, we'll become wise. In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. Trouble. You know, when I read this verse, I thought of, you know, the few times that I've been really privileged to go into someone's home and to, if they've moved into a new home and to kind of bless that home. Not to, not to bless the walls, but to bless that home that it's used for God, for His kingdom, for His glory. And it says here, in the house of the righteous, there is much treasure. You know, you use your home for God's glory and He will bless you. It's really a wise thing to sort of surrender your home to God's use. He'll bless the family that chooses him first in their home. You know, a very familiar verse in Joshua 24:15 says for at the end of that verse, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So your whole household now is serving God, is submitted to God. And God wants to bless when you submit yourself to him. But he guarantees that the wicked will have trouble. You know, so we sometimes see the wicked in this life. We see them prospering. And maybe sometimes we're even jealous of what, they're, what they have, what they're getting away with. But God promises they'll receive their trouble sooner or later. Verse 7, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. So more about the use of the tongue, either to bless or to curse. Uh, you know, a wise person in the things of God will spread his wisdom so others may benefit from that. You know, it's not something that you sort of keep to yourself. You gain wisdom from the Lord in order to give that out to others, to bless others. But the foolish person really doesn't have anything useful to say. Verses 8 and 9, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who follows righteousness. This here speaks about the fact that God accepts fellowship, desires fellowship with someone who knows him and has received his son, someone who is, is all about God, is focused on him. But he can't have that same relationship, that fellowship with the person who doesn't know him, who doesn't love God. He loves the humble offering of, prayer, of the prayer of one of his children more than any grand thing that any wicked person can offer him. In chap chapter 1 of uh, the book of Isaiah, it sort of gives us perspective of how God sees things. You know, this, this, these verses here that speak of the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Look what he says in Isaiah 1, verses 11 through 16. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in in the blood of bulls, or in lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has requ required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Now understand, at this time, you know, the sacrifices in the, in the temple were something that God required and he set forth in the Old Testament. But why was it not pleasant to him or pleasing to him? It says in verse 14 there in Isaiah 1, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me and I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings before, from, my, from before my eyes, 
and ceased, ceased to do evil. So there's a, there's a way here that God accepts our sacrifice, God accepts our prayers, and there's also a way because of the intent of our heart, the motivations of why we're doing it, or maybe because there's evil even within what we're doing that God will not accept it. Verse 10, harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way and he who hates correction will die. So this speaks of the consequences for someone who rejects godly instruction and correction. You know, as we go through the Proverbs, we continue to see this and the bulk of the Proverbs give godly direction, godly instruction, godly correction. So this speaks about, about hearing what what's being uh, taught through like a book like the Proverbs and then making application to your life. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. So how much more the hearts of the sons of men? God sees all of eternity before him. Everything that ever was, is, or will be. So why would you think he couldn't see what's in your heart? He knows what's in our heart. He understands. So again, another just reminder that God sees everything that we do. A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. So, uh, you know, you've probably had this experience. You know, you, you go to someone, maybe even you go to them in love. You go to them in a, in a way that you want to, you want to help. Um, but you go to them in, in, an, in a situation where you need to maybe correct them or, re, or even rebuke them, but you do it in love. And notice how many people, when you do that, some, sometimes they kind of they fade away. They go away. You don't really see them too much anymore. And that can be in a personal relationship where you have, you know, you have with someone on a one-on-one, one-to-one basis, and, you know, God's given you something that you want to, you know, bring forth to them, and it's in love, and it's, uh, and it's biblical, and yet they don't receive it. You know, it's sometimes it even happens in the church, you know, where, you know, uh, as leaders, sometimes we have to sit down and we have to correct uh, people, some action or behavior, and sometimes that might be the very last time we ever see them again. You know, they don't receive it, and they don't have a love for the one who delivers it. So this speaks here about a scoffer who does not love the one who's correcting him. Verse 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. So, you, you know, when you're, when something's, uh, when you're joyful, your face shows it. You can see it. You don't have to tell your face, you know, to, to reflect that joy that you have in your heart. It kind of automatically does it. It responds like that. If you know someone is joyful, they'll usually have that, you know, expression, that joyful expression on their face. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. So, again, this speaks about someone who's wise will continue to seek more wisdom. You know, they'll never get to a place where they feel like they've, they've learned it all. You know, we should always be teachable as Christians. You know, the foolish person will not grow in knowledge Number one, because they usually are taking in foolish things. And, and secondly, they may get to a point where they feel like they've, they've learned it all. They've achieved. They've arrived. And there's no need for them to be teachable anymore. Verse, verse 15, all of the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. So speaks about like the contrast between the pessimist and the optimist. You know, the pessimist will kind of have a difficult life, you know, because they're always looking at the, the worst in things, where the optimist will be blessed. You know, he who is of, is of a merry heart, you know, God will bless those things. It, it really is, speaks about how we view, how, what our perspective is on our situation. You know, we can be even in a difficult situation, a difficult circumstance in our life, 
and still know that the Lord wants to bless us. It, it's really a, a matter of you know, training your mind to understand that God can cause all things to work together for good, even those things that we consider difficult. Verses 16 and 17, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Now this, these verses contrast true riches and true prov- poverty. True riches come from a, a healthy fear and reverence for God and from the love of others. You know, fear or reverence of God is better than all of the treasures in this world because he will give us understanding and he will bless us. And then we can be grateful for whatever we have, even if it is modest. And then in verse 17, it speaks about just a dinner of just vegetables, just a big salad is better than a seven-course meal if you have friends or family that love you. You know, it's like sitting down to a, a grand feast with people you really don't like very much and that they, they don't like you. You know, it, you, you may get a, something caught right here in your throat and, uh, and you'll walk away and you'll say, boy, that was really a terrible night. <laughs> you know, and you could sit down with something very modest and meager, you know, just some vegetables with someone that you really, really love or your family and friends that really, you know, that, that love you, you know, and it can be just the, the greatest time in the world. So it's about perspective. Verse 18, a wrathful man stirs up, stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. Someone who's hot-headed and angry all the time. You know, they're going to cause conflict and trouble at every turn. But keeping your cool Controlling your emotions will calm a situation. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. You know, the lazy person doesn't make much progress in life. It's like him trying to run through a hedge of thorns, but the diligent person will find the road ahead of him just clear to achieve what he puts his mind to. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Speaking here of, you know, of course, a child, you know, many times their actions, their behaviors uh, will reflect on their parents. And they'll either bring honor to their parents or bring shame to their parents because of their action, actions. You know, Exodus 20, the fifth commandment says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord is giving you. So a commandment here to honor our parents and, um, and make them proud. Make them proud, not bring shame upon them. Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. So as Christians, we get our joy from the things of God and from living a righteous life. But someone who doesn't walk with God, he'll get his joy from foolish pursuits which will fade away and end, but the joy that we have in God will go into eternity. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. You know, we've heard this proverb before, this this some very similar. It really speaks about not being afraid to ask for advice, not being afraid to ask for counsel. Don't be too proud to think that you need guidance with some maybe direction or decision in your life or plan that you have. You know, even the most powerful people in the world have advisors and counselors that help them make important decisions. It certainly isn't a sign of weakness or a lack of wisdom. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. This verse speaks about saying just the right thing at just the right time. And believe me, that's not easily done. 
It's got by God's discernment that we can that we can uh, be guided in that. You know, sometimes we know the right thing to say, but it's just the wrong timing. Or maybe we we our timing is right. It's perfect timing, but we just don't have the words. So when we get them both together, it's a real blessing. And it's a blessing not only to the person that we're speaking to, but it's a blessing to us too because it's like, wow, God, you just pulled that all together. You gave me the right words at the right time. And boy, that, that really went well. It, it goes along with Proverbs 25.11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Verse 24, the way of life winds upward for the wise that he may turn away from hell below. This just tells of the pull of either the things of God or the things of this world. You know, uh, we, can go, we can make those choices and decisions in life. We can go either way. You know, it's up to us to grab hold of the things that will bring us closer to the Lord that we may turn away from the things of the world. Verse 25, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. You know, I'm glad for one that he takes care. He'll take care of the proud. He'll take care of the wicked. I don't have to. He'll take care of the evil person that I don't have to. And he also, although he, although the word also tells us that we are to care for the defenseless and for the uh, for the uh, the person who needs help in society, you know, God will take care of them too. He'll take care of the most defenseless among us. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. So God not only hears our words, but He knows our thoughts. It's it's all out there for Him. He He, he knows it all. Psalm nineteen fourteen, David. David just says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Just just that declaration that no matter what, whether it's in my heart, the thoughts, or my, the words that actually come out of my mouth, may it all be for your glory. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. So it speaks about the, uh, the greediness of people and the effect that it has on everyone around him, not just himself. You know, people who will do anything for the almighty dollar, will, you know, they'll see that negative effect on their entire household. And you can even extend that out to the church. You know, just a, a greedy church leader. The whole body of Christ will suffer when, when you have somebody like that. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Self-control here in the way we speak and in how we say something. We take time. Take time to get all the information. Take time to, to, to figure out if this is the right thing to say, if this is the right time to say. We, we, don't, just, we don't just go off um, without thinking about it. You know, the wicked person will say whatever pops into his mind without thinking, and the evil will just pour out of him. But the righteous takes their time, studies, studies uh, and prays about it. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. You know, that old saying that most of us have heard, if you feel far from God, it's not him who moved. You know, if the Lord is far from the wicked, it's because the wicked is really far from the Lord. God desires fellowship. He desires an intimate relationship with us. But it's our sin. It's our sin that will keep us from that. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy. See, it's not on God's part that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So just remember that God desires that relationship. But, you know, if you're in sin, that's going to keep you from from fellowship with God. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart 
and a good report makes the bones healthy. So just speaking here practically, you know, we know good news makes us feel good. Makes us feel good in the heart, makes us feel good even physically. We can, we can just rejoice in that. And when someone is bringing you good news, you know, you, sometimes you can see it on their face. They just have some really awesome news they're bringing to you, and you can see their excitement. You know, they feel good. They're going to make you feel good. Everybody's feeling great. So, you know, this is just, this just speaks to the practicality of, of good news and how it affects us. The ear that, rebu- that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. Wise people will receive instruction, but he who rejects instruction really hates himself. He hates himself because he doesn't want to grow. He doesn't want to mature. He's not willing to hear maybe some constructive criticism that somebody may have for him. And so, you know, it's just, he just doesn't, he just hates himself. So receive instruction and ap- apply it to your life if, if that's what the Lord is telling you. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Just knowing that we don't have all the answers, you know, knowing that God, you know, is, is there. He understands. He knows what's best for us. You know, he'll give us wisdom as we seek that out. We want more and more of godly wisdom to live this life. Okay, jumping into Proverbs 16. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. This tells us that we can plan, which is good, but really God has the final say. You know, he's sovereign over all of the affairs of our life, and anything that happens is either part of his purposeful will or maybe part of his permissible will or allowable will in our life. But God wants to give us the desires of our heart. Our problem sometimes is that the desires of our heart are different than what the desires of God's heart are for us. In Psalm 37, 4, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, boy, that's, that's awesome. That's great instruction for just making sure that, that our plans are God's plans. And if they're God's plans, they will come to pass. They will come about. So we just have to be in tune with his heart and his will for our lives. Be in prayer. You know, be in the word. Seeking godly counsel for our plans so that they're in tune with God, with what God wants for us. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. So, we can become self-deceived, can't we? You know, thinking that, you know, I'm doing great. We never really see ourselves for what we really are. That, you know, that looking in the mirror, there's a sort of a built-in bias that we have that we never really want to admit our faults or our failings. But God knows the inward thoughts and He weighs those things. He weighs those things. So He you know, on the scales in God's standard, we can see what we really are like. And it's good to look in the mirror. It's good to do self-examination, you know, so that we don't become self-deceived into thinking that we're, you know, everything is, is going well and we're on the right path. We want to always be checking that. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Similar to um, the verse up, up top there in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So just, you know, be in tune with his will. Commit your works to him. If they're in his will, if they're a part of his plan for your life, then guess what? All of, all of those things will be in harmony with God and he will establish those things. Verse 4, the Lord has made all for himself. yes even the wicked for the day of doom. Now, God did not, does not, is not the author of evil. He doesn't cause people to go down that path, but he knows what 
choices people will make in this life and everything that's been created from the beginning of time until until the end, until into eternity, it's all made for His purposes, for His good pleasure. And one day, everything will praise the Lord. I love what it says in Colossians 1.16. It kind of gives it really gives it perspective. For by Him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. Everything created for the glory of God. Everyone, is prou- everyone proud in, hi- in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. So God gives the proud their rightful punishment, whether here or in eternity. You know, because they, they want to take credit away from God. You know, God is the one who gives all good things. You know, and the proud want to take credit for that. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. So just forgiveness for our sin because of God's mercy and the truth of his word. Just admitting that we're not lined up with God's word is kind of is kind of our way of checking to see if we're in sin if we're walking correctly you know if we're not lined up with his word we go to him and ask for forgiveness and he will offer that it says atonement is provided praise the lord that when we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin isn't that an awesome thing I think that's 1 John 1, 9 for anyone who's taking notes. And then speaking about the truth, you know, you know, we always have to, to sort of examine ourselves against the standard of God's word and the truth. Psalm 119, which is a psalm that speaks about, about his word. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. So we measure ourselves against the standard of of God's word and we see where we're at. We know whether we're walking righteously or not. Verse 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Wow, God's amazing, isn't he? He can even cause our enemies to sort of stand down because they see God is with us. God is in us our works. You know, there's something about walking in the Spirit, isn't there? That kind of radiates that God's with us, that God's, that God's guiding us. And people understand that the Lord is in whatever we're doing. You know, our job is to please the Lord and let Him do the work. You know, He'll work out everything with our enemies. We just want to please the Lord and He'll Maybe he'll, he'll bring an enemy in and, and make him at peace with you, you know, and he's got a greater purpose for that relationship. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. So, again, we see this better to live modestly but with a clear conscience that whatever you have, you've gotten it fairly and honestly and with integrity. Isn't it better to just live modestly but know that you've lived a fair and and an honest life? You can sleep well at night. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So again, it's, it's okay to plan. It's a good thing to plan. But be open also to God that he may change our plans. You know, it's it's according to his will, attentive. Uh, this is telling us to be attentive to the leading of the spirit, you know, to to make our plans, to pray about things, to set forth what we think God wants us to do. And then to sort of sit back and say, OK, I'm going to walk in this. I'm going to step out in faith, Lord. But if you decide to change my direction, I want to be open to that. We always want to be open to that divination is on the lips of the king his mouth must not 
transgress in judgment. So this word for divination here is the uh, Hebrew word kesem, and it means judicial decisions made by a ruler. You know, the king had ultimate power, and, you know, we see leaders even today, you know, they have, they have so much power, you know, but God wants him to administer that power in a fair and equitable way. And that's what this verse is saying here. Honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. So God will bless honesty and integrity in everything that we do. Verses 12 through 15 uh, refer here to God's interest in, in earthly things, in the rulers of, of, the, of this world. It is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him who speaks what is right. As messengers of death is the king's wrath, but a wise man will appease it. In the light of the king's face is life, and his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. So God wants uh, integrity in leaders, and we should desire the same thing. The problem most of the time is that we don't have many choices in our leaders. You know, just quickly to bring it to currently to the situation that's going on in the in the campaign for president it says in an article in business insider americans think democratic presidential frontrunner hillary clinton is about as trustworthy as donald trump according to a new quinnipiac university poll 57% of voters do not view Clinton as honest and trustworthy, compared to 37% who believe that Clinton is trustworthy. Now, lest you think that I'm uh, a Trump fan here, listen to Trump's numbers. Trump's numbers are almost identical. 58% of Americans view the GOP presidential candidate, candidate as not honest and trustworthy. 58%. Uh, Hillary was 57%, compared to 33% uh, who say they can trust Trump. So we have trouble. <laughs> we have trouble electing trustworthy people. We just don't believe that they're going to they're gonna be honest. And, you know, God sets forth uh, these things in his word. He desires, you know, trustworthiness and honesty and integrity in everything that we do, but certainly in leaders, because, you know, they're going to guide a nation. They're going to guide a people. And, you know, you have power, and you have authority, and you have influence, you know, and God wants, you know, they, God wants them to be honest in those things. So, you know, righteous leaders also, it speaks about in those verses, they want honest people around them. They should. They should want honest people around them, not just yes men, who are, who are not going to tell them when, you know, they need to tell them something. Um, they need to have people around them who will be honest with them also. Verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. So speaking of all the riches in the world, they can't compare with godly wisdom and understanding. You know, uh, godly wisdom and understanding are, are much greater than all of the riches. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. So speaking of, of the, you know, the path that we walk on, you know, that it should be, it should be upright. It should be, it should be righteous. You know, it should not be a path of continual habitual sin. You know, we're going to fall from time to time. You know, when we confess and we go to the Lord and we admit that and, you know, we, we uh, turn from those things and he'll forgive us for that. But to be on a path of habitual, continual sin is just going to be uh, destruction for us. Pride, uh, verse 18 and 19, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil 
with the proud. So contrasting here humility with pride. You know, we know verse 18, it's very familiar to us. You know, it speaks about the end. The end of a proud person is destruction. Though he may gain from his pride, it'll eventually bring him down. Verse 20, he who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Nothing should give us greater joy than trusting in God, being obedient to his word, and then letting him just, letting him just bless us because of that. Uh, verses 21 through 23, the wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. So it speaks about here that learning is a lot easier and more productive if it's taught from a spirit of sweetness and pleasantness, you know, and not just hitting someone over the head you know, just to bring wisdom to them and, you know, bring it in a way that they can receive it. You know, understanding godly things and allowing that to bring just uh, abundance to your life and to be teachable, you know, to be teachable. What a great character trait teachability is, you know, admitting that, that you know, y you can learn things, that you don't know everything. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. So the positive effects and results of just pleasant words, you know, evident in a person's growth and in a person's life and in how they respond to you. There's a way that seems right to a man, verse 25, but its end is the way of death. So, again, another familiar verse speaks of the deception. I, I looked at it this way. It speaks of the deception of the trip rather than the reality of the destination. You know, a person may think he's on the right road of life because, you know, he has, his life is good and he's prospering and he's living it up and he's having fun, but he doesn't see the end of the road. You know, it even speaks in a spiritual sense about, you know, about eternity. You know, people may think they're on the right path to heaven by good works or maybe membership at a particular church or, or denomination, you know, but the end, you always have to look at the end of something to determine its value. You know, Jesus said in uh, Matthew 7, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in, in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. So there's a way that seems right to a man, to many men, to the majority of men. They think one way is right and its end is destruction. So don't be afraid of not following the crowd. Don't be afraid of kind of going through that narrow gate. You may be the only person in your family. You may be the only person in your workplace. You may be the only one in your school who has a walk with the Lord, don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop you. Verse 26, the person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. So this is very practical. Nothing will motivate a person f uh, more than uh, to hard work than hunger. Even a lazy man will eventually find work if he gets hungry enough. So just a very practical verse there. Um, the next four verses speak about the ungodly man, the perverse man, and the violent man. So people we don't want to be associated with and we don't want to be called ourselves. Verse 27 through, uh, through 30, an ungodly man digs up evil and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He winks his eye to devise perverse things. He purses his lips and brings about evil. So 
We know people like this. We know people who always want to dig up some evil about someone. And then once they dig it up, they can't, can't wait to spread it, spread it around like wildfire. And he, he's going to just sow contention between people. He's going to slander one person to another and then sit back and just watch the, you know, this whole thing blow up. You know? And he may be the one who's spreading gossip about one of his even so-called friends. And that's the, one of the quickest ways to end a friendship is through the spreading of, of gossip. Uh, the silver hair, in verse 31, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. So I didn't know there was a verse specifically in the Bible about me. <laughs> or a uh, couple of other folks here. Uh, my old pastor, Pastor Luis, used to, used to say, you know, we, we sort of had a church plant um, when we went up to Kearney. Um, and he said he, he respects the silver hairs in the church, the silver hairs. And this is the verse he was referring to. You know, people who have wisdom, they've been around, they have experience that you can tap into, you know. And so, and so that's, a, that's a wise thing. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You know how difficult it is to control, you know, your, your emotions, your anger, and your spirit. You know, but that's something that's very admirable about someone who can do that. And the uh, closing verse here, verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but every, it's every decision is from the Lord. So we saw this theme a few different times, spoken a few different ways, that kind of, you know, we make our plans but God directs our steps. You know, we cast our lots. In other words, we say, okay, God, I think this is what you're telling me to do. I think this is the way you're telling me to go. I'm praying about this, but God, it's ultimately you who's going to direct me. It's ultimately you who's going to have that final say in my life. And that's, that's really what wisdom is, just understanding God's sovereignty and his... Um, you know, in his control over all things, but just tapping into his spirit when we, uh, when we have to make these decisions. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road, in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.